welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. Wow, such a powerful time of worship. Thank you to the worship team. You're rocking it online. Hey, before the message, I want to encourage you quickly, just watch this little promo for what's coming up. Paul the Apostle in the book of Romans really helps us understand the value of understanding our Jewish heritage and the connection and the relationship that we are to have with our Jewish brothers and sisters. You know, Jesus was a Jewish man. And every time that I've been to Israel, my eyes have been enlightened. Not only do I fall more and more in love with the Jewish people, but I see Jesus differently. I don't see him through my Western context. I see him through the Jewish context from which he was in. That was where he was. That was Those were the people that he was ministering to. And as a Gentile, because Paul calls us Gentiles, we've been grafted in. And it's so important that we understand the continuation of the relationship that we are to have with our Jewish brothers and sisters. And so I want to encourage you on February 24th to join us as Kingdom Culture as we host a call with Mark Gerson, who is an influential Jewish leader, author, and philanthropist. Him and his wife, Rabbi Erica, are likely the largest Jewish donors to Christian causes in the world. He's a venture capitalist. He's involved in many, many businesses around the world. I actually met Mark in uh, Israel. Great guy. And yes, he is a Jewish influential leader. And he's going to be leading us on a study on the book of Exodus on this call. You're not going to want to miss it, okay? Man, you're going to love to hear this Jewish man's perspective, this Jewish leader's perspective of the book of Exodus. And as a result of joining this call, which is free by the way, you will get his new book that I believe will really encourage you. So join us. The information is going to be on the screen. We'd love to see you there. This is going to be a powerful study on the book of Exodus with Mark Gerson. Hey, Kingdom Culture family. So good to see you this morning. Welcome to our online experience. If you're new with us, please let us know where you're watching from. Comment in the chat. Let us know how we can pray for you, support you as well. If you're part of our community, the same thing. Like, subscribe, share the link on Facebook, on YouTube, wherever you're watching from. It really helps us move things forward as we continue to build and grow online. So you are a part of that journey. We can't meet with you in person. So we love the feedback. We love the engagement online. Keep it up. And let's continue to see the kingdom advance through online since it's all online right now. But we can't wait to see you in the flesh. I want to say happy Valentine's Day. I'm going to do a little heart for you. Happy Valentine's Day. We love you, kingdom culture. We love you. All the new people that are watching with us this morning, all the new visitors, welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy Valentine's Day. Please 
wish your significant other a happy Valentine's Day or, or your kids or your friends, your family or your secret crush. Let it be that day where you reveal your secret love for your secret crush on this Valentine's Day. And of course, we are God's Valentine. We are Jesus's Valentine. He is our Valentine. And ultimately, we are so thankful that we can have a relationship with him. And he is the focus of today, every Sunday. And so we're going to dive into an extension of last week's message and subject, Fight to Fan It. And Paul was encouraging Timothy to listen to this. And he was saying, here's 10 basic instructions if you want to develop healthy leadership, but also to, de to develop healthy community in those that you're leading. And so I know it was an encouraging word for so many. I got so much good feedback as a result of last week's message. And so we're going to build a little bit of an extension, a little bit of an addition onto what was built last week. I believe God is going to drop an anchor to you today. He's going to show you the importance of the anchor in your life that you need, the anchor of hope and the anchor of relationship with Jesus that you need in this season more than ever so you don't drift away with all the currents that are coming at you right now. So you don't drift away to a place that you don't want to go. But before we do that, I want to just recap a little bit last week we opened it up with first timothy or second timothy chapter 1 verse 7 where paul's encouraging timothy his spiritual son don't give in to fear because god's not given us a spirit of fear a spirit of the cowardice which is you know cowering away in the corner like i i can't do this and and you know the devil's gonna get me and that, that's the kind of fear that uh, paul's addressing to timothy that god has not given us god's not given us a spirit of fear but a spirit of power love sound mind self-control and he encourages Timothy to overcome fear by verses before, by not only reminding him of the faith that was in him that came from his uh, grandmother and mother, but also reminding him in verse six to fan into flame the gifts of God. And I talked about last week about how the gifts that God's given us, the God-given strengths, the abilities, the talents, the spiritual gifts that God's given us, the things that have been deposited to us to, to enable us to fulfill our call are directly linked to our ability to overcome fear. And so this is very important that we understand this. When these gifts are not fanned into flame and underutilized, Fear will win. Fear will take over. But when we're strong in what God's given us to overcome, we will fulfill our purpose, which is what Paul was encouraging Timothy. You have a purpose, Timothy, to lead well, to be a great leader, even in your young years. And you're going to want to quit at some point, but I want you to fan into flame those embers again because you're struggling right now and you need these embers, not just embers, but a burning flame so that you can overcome and lead what you've been called to lead. Now, like I said last week, Paul was also encouraging Timothy throughout 1st Timothy and 2nd Timothy that he was going to come up against false teachers, false doctrines. And it was this teaching of Gnosticism in Ephesus, which is where Timothy was leading for about five years, okay? And this, this teaching that, that Jesus didn't come in the flesh and that sin wasn't really sin. There was no, that Jesus did not, um, you know, he did, there was no resurrection. And all this sort of hyper 
philosophical um, ideologies were coming in and influencing uh, the the faith. It was actually like a, a fusion of paganism and Jewish faith, a Jewish believing, okay? And there was a mixture that was causing this breakdown of faith. And as a result, people were wandering away. They were getting into these foolish, godless discussions about genealogies and myths. And they were like going really wacky in their thinking. And as a result, they were wandering away from their faith and leading others. And so Timothy was up against this, leading the church up against this way of thinking, this Gnosticism up against this way of thinking. And he had to wrestle with it. And at times he probably felt the fear. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to help people and encourage people the way that I need to, because this thing, this influence is strong. And Paul was encouraging Timothy to go at it, to go at it at the jugular. Now, to t- today's message, I want to dive into, and I want to go back to the end of 1 Timothy, chapter 6. I just kind of read 2 Timothy at the beginning, and that was when Paul was or encouraging Timothy not to give up because Timothy wanted to quit, wanted to give up. Had it been maybe about four years now at this point. And now I want to go back, rewind a little bit to the last chapter of the first letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, and that was in chapter 6, verse 20 to 21. It says this, Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. This is sort of our doorway into today's message. This is our our gateway, so to speak. This is what we're talking about. This is what we're breaking down really, okay? What does wandering mean? What is this really, what is Paul really saying? But before that, something I want to just address is the beginning of this verse where he says, guard what God has entrusted to you. What had God entrusted to Timothy? To understand what God had entrusted Timothy, of course we know a church, a community, a calling. He was responsible for being a good shepherd, good pastor. But let's go back to really see what Paul was talking about in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, where he says, this command I entrust to you, Timothy, my spiritual son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, so that inspired and aided by them, by these prophetic predictions about your future, about your life, about your calling and purpose, that you may fight the good fight in contending with false teachers. He was directly linking, okay, this this faith call with the prophecies that were prophesied over him through the laying on of hands at his ordination, which we actually see in, in the second Timothy, okay? He's, he's referencing fen and flame, the gifts of God, uh, that were put in you by the laying on of hands at your ordination. That's 2 Timothy, okay? But like I said, I'm reading now 1 Timothy, the beginning. He's referencing that God has entrusted to you greatness. He's entrusted you what you need. He's entrusted you a spiritual deposit, a spiritual call, and I want you to steward that well. And the way you're going to fight well, yes, I'm going to give you instruction. I'm going to give you tools. I'm going to give you blueprints. I'm going to give you the whole architectural plan on how you build this thing. But the way ultimately you're going to fight well is to trust in the words that God spoke to you through the prophecies. This is what will help you fight the good fight in contending, the Amplified says it, with the false teachers. Because congruent throughout 1st and 2nd Timothy, Timothy was up against, as were the believers that he was leading in Ephesus, all of this false teaching, false doctrine. Some of the, the letters include the statement doctrine of demons, okay? Let me continue on now, verse 19. Keeping your faith, okay, keeping your faith 
leaning completely on God's on God with absolute trust and confidence in his guidance and having a good conscience. Very important we get that. Having a good conscience, okay? Because this is what was violated over and over again at the expense of the influence of this Gnostic-oriented teaching, okay? Violating their moral compass, violating what they knew was right over and over again. Eventually, it was seared, the Bible says, with a hot iron, which means rendered insensitive, no longer any sensitivity left. They could not hear. There was like a closed ear, a closed eye, okay? It says, keeping your faith, leaning completely on God with absolute trust and confidence in his guidance and having a good conscience for some people have rejected their moral compass and have made a shipwreck of their faith. Now I'm talking about, you know, the importance of the anchor in this season, in this pandemic season. We need an anchor in this season. If we ever needed an anchor, it's in this season when there's all of these currents coming at us to cause us to pull over here and pull over here and believe this and believe that and we're drifting. And God doesn't want spiritual drifters. God wants us to be anchored in our soul into the hope of who he is, what he's like, what he's about, his truth, not just our truth, but his truth, because he is the truth. Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Such a potent, powerful statement. You can have your truth, sure, but your truth won't get you to heaven. Your truth won't allow you to know me in relationship. It's me who is the truth, who is the doorway to relationship to God. And unless you come through me, there is no chance, okay? So Jesus was very specific. But now Paul is kind of echoing this idea that when you get led away by your truth or someone else's truth, where it's, when it's not the truth, you will shipwreck your faith. Verse 20, among these, he actually gives examples. Among these that have shipwrecked their faith are Hymenaeus and Alexander, Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan. In other words, cut off from relationship because they were divisive. They were dividing the community. They were leading people away from the truth so that they will be disciplined and taught not to blaspheme. Now, I, I read the beginning of this letter to now bring us back to that verse that is our sort of our doorway verse for this whole message at a 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20, which is the end of the first book of Timothy, okay? Back to this. When he says, Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Now we know what Paul was talking about, okay? The prophecies, the, the calling, the uh, purpose and plan that God had for him. Okay, and he says this, to guard it, that he says, avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge, speaking of the false teachers. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. Now, I read the first chapter to reference this chapter because they're linked, okay? They're connected. In the beginning of the book, he's warning about what has happened. And at the end of the book, he's referencing what has already happened. And it's important that we know this because he's talking about the influence of wrong thinking over time and how that causes us to drift away from the truth. And here's the thing with shipwrecks, because that's how he references Hymenaeus and Alexander. They had a shipwreck of faith and others that followed suit. They had a shipwreck of faith. Shipwrecks can be caused by treacherous currents that slowly lure a ship off its course. It's not always so obvious at first. Then before you know it, you've crashed into the rocks. It's not a, a quick drift often. It's a slow drift away from the truth. The current 
of, of compromise begin to come at you and you don't, you're not aware of it. You're not, you don't deal with it. And the, maybe you're out in the boat right now and the winds are not that strong. You're like, oh, I can handle this. And, and before you know it, you're in a location you don't want to be because time over time you drifted. Maybe you didn't, it was a slow drift in the wrong direction. That's what happens that co often causes shipwrecks. It's not just one bad decision overnight and the whole thing. No, it's a slow drift to that one bad decision. It's a slow compromise. It's a slow, you know, engaging in the currents of compromise in your life that cause us to spiritually drift away from where we're called to be. The treacherous currents in life are the sometimes not so obvious currents of compromise that can take us off course and en route towards a shipwreck. This is what I call spiritual drifting and is usually a slow and often unperceived process. And this is exactly what Paul was encouraging Timothy uh, with to to be aware of because this is what was happening. So if you haven't already figured it out, I want to talk today briefly on the currents of compromise, the currents of compromise identifying the spiritual drift. I remember last year at a cottage, uh, I was I took some of my kids out fishing and I was in a, uh, a tin, one of those tin fishing boats and we didn't have an anchor. It's important to have an anchor because if you want to stay in one location, you didn't anchor. I didn't have an anchor. And I went out, probably, I don't know if that's legal or not, but anyways, I went out without an anchor and we tried fishing, found a good spot. We were getting bites and everything. It was awesome. There was lots of action happening. And there was this, like, it wasn't that windy out. And honestly, honestly, it was like, it felt like a normal calm night, but man, there was a strong current and we kept drifting and, and it felt like it was drifting quickly. Um, but we didn't really realize it until we kept, you know, kept hitting basically the bank of the shore. We were like in this perfect area, and like I said, catching you know fish and lots of action. And I think every like about five to ten minutes, we were literally almost at the shore and had to row out. And this is the result of having no anchor. These currents were coming in and causing us to spiritually drift away from the location we wanted to be and really needed to be to catch the fish that we wanted to catch. And that's kind of like what happens in life. If you don't have an anchor and you're not aware of the current around you, before you'll know, before you know it, you'll be in a place you don't want to be. Now, what happens over time though is if this keeps happening over and over again, eventually you won't even know where you are anymore. And this is the the sad, unfortunate reality for so many, which in you know, Paul addresses it, Hymenaeus and Alexandra, and even the other guy named Philetus later on. You know, these guys, they, they, I don't think they even knew where they were at anymore. They had so violated their conscience. They so rendered their conscience insensitive. They no longer knew what was up and what was down. They just were off track entirely. They swerved out of line. Let me ask you a question. Do you know someone in this season who has drifted, who has spiritually drifted off course from their faith, purpose in life, their dreams, their hopes? what once mattered to them, maybe family, relationships, friends and community. And I, you know, it's been one of those seasons where there's just so much coming at us all the time. There's so many currents coming at us in many different directions. And if we're not anchored, if our soul is not anchored in Mr. Hope himself, Jesus Christ, we will drift off into many different directions that we do not want to drift off into if we're not careful. This is why Paul says to Tim, guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid, avoid this stuff, these godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge because it's these things that have caused people to wander off and shipwreck their 
faith. This word for wandered literally means to swerve out of line or to miss the mark or to miss the aim or to move out of step with the cadence of God, to miss or deviate from God's target. We want to hit God's target, don't we? Well, we got to anchor ourselves. We got to avoid some things, okay? Avoidance is not always a bad thing. There's a healthy measure of avoidance where we're just not engaging in things that have no connection to our call in life. I've said it over and over again. If you fight the wrong battles long enough, eventually you'll lose the battles that God's always created you and called you to win. And so there is an element of healthy avoidance. I'm not saying be negligent. I'm not saying be ignorant. I'm not saying sweep things under the rug. We don't want to do that. No, we need to confront stuff. But there are certain battles that are not yours. Every battle is not your battle. If every battle was your battle, man, you, I don't even know how you would function. You wouldn't be able to live and breathe in life if you were taking on the weight of the world of every little battle. Stay in your lane and you'll win. You will have enough battles that, you, uh, uh, that, that are for you to win in your own lane. You don't need to fight other people's battles in their lane, okay? It's your battle. Address the car in front of you, not the 10 cars around you, okay? When you're on the highway, just focus on the lane that you are in, okay? And in this context, once again, Paul is addressing uh, this attack of conscience, which we will get into in a little bit, that has come as a result of destructive discussions about meaningless philosophies. We're talking about Gnosticism, okay? And again, he's talking about the compromise. Don't compromise, Timothy. Guard what God has entrusted you. Don't compromise your calling. Don't compromise your conscience. Don't compromise truth. And, and don't get lazy and have a lack of dedication and study and have wishy-washy expectations of leadership. And don't worship money and steward money. Be generous instead of, of worshiping money, focusing on money, trusting in money as the, the answer to all your problems. And I'm kind of referencing some of the things I referenced last week in the 10 basic instructions that Timothy, if you would just focus on, you will win in your leadership. But for the next few minutes, I want to briefly outline two, uh, I want to identify two of the many spiritual drifts that happen in our life when we do not address the currents of compromise around our life. Okay, number one, it's the drift of destructive discussions. The drift of destructive discussions. This is directly, of course, linked to our, our sort of opening verse, which talks about avoiding godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge and the connection to that and wandering off and shipwrecking your faith. I remember... Man, like in the beginning of my journey with God, I would get into these ridiculous, foolish discussions that felt in the end very godless. In the beginning, it felt very purposeful and I'm going to, you know, win my case and I'm going to prove to you that this is right and this is wrong. And, you know, and, and honestly, and I don't even know, maybe half the time I was wrong in the end anyways, it doesn't even matter. I would engage in these foolish godless spiritual discussions that never had a good outcome would only drain me and only make me feel when they were foolish only make me feel foolish in the end and I've learned over the last 19 years to not engage in foolish discussions okay and you can usually tell a foolish discussion by the person that you are talking about, okay? And it, it's funny because, you know, Solomon, who was one of the wisest men that ever lived at the time, writing Proverbs, 
he addresses the interaction that we have with foolishness and foolish people over and over again. And I think that the time we live in, this needs to be taught more and more. So we have a gauge and a discernment of what battles to engage in and what battles not to engage in. So we don't live a life uh, uh, sort of absent of energy and absent of of purpose and focus because we're letting everything, uh, all the wrong battles suck the life and energy out of us. Social media is full of destructive discussions and tricky traps. I wrote that down. It's kind of true. Social media is full of destructive discussions and tricky traps. Someone's always waiting to trap you. And it's always usually very semantic oriented and picking apart your words. And it's like, it's like everybody's like this, uh, this analyst of words today and this expert of this and that. And uh, they, they have the right opinion and you have the wrong opinion. And this is the world we live in. Solomon says in Proverbs 29 verse 9, if a, if a wise man has a controversy with a foolish and arrogant man, the foolish man ignores logic and fairness and only rages or laughs and there is no peace slash rest and agreement. This is so true. If a wise man has a controversy with a foolish and arrogant man, the foolish man ignores logic and fairness and only rages and laughs. In other words, mocks. Have you ever been in a situation where in a conversation, it's like a, a mature conversation, but all of a sudden they're, they're kind of mocking you. They're snarling at you. It doesn't go anywhere. These conversations don't go anywhere. Your argument will not go anywhere. Don't waste your time. Proverbs 26 verse 4 says, Do not answer a close-minded fool according to his foolishness or you will be like him. Convicting, convicting. Because sometimes we want to respond to what sounds like foolish but we end up becoming the fool ourselves. And this is why Paul, again, was encouraging Timothy, avoid these godless, foolish thoughts. People are talking about and arguing about myths and genealogies and all this like philosophical way of thinking that was getting into uh, or, or getting into the truth of the gospel in believers' lives and was taking them off track. And so Paul and, and Paul is saying, Timothy, don't go there. It's just going to create more problems in the end, okay? Proverbs 18, verse 2, a close-minded fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his personal opinions, unwittingly displaying his self-indulgence and his stupidity. Such a true and amplified statement. Uh, you know, we are in the age where everybody has an opinion and we're all so-called experts. So Paul continues to echo everything I just read to you about foolishness in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. Okay, now we're going to skip ahead. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. Remind everyone about these things. and command them in God's presence to stop fighting, again, over words. These destructive discussions that are causing spiritual drift in your life. Stay anchored. He says here, such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. Work hard. So you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. Avoid some stuff. Avoid some stuff, he's saying. Verse 17, this kind of talk spreads like cancer. In other words, it multiplies, okay? 
you know, cancer is, is when there's a division of cells, okay? And then they begin to multiply and the other cells begin to model themselves after the rhythm of the cancerous cells and the cancer begins to spread, okay? And he says here, as this is the case of Hymenaeus and Philetus. He doesn't mention Alexander at this point, but this is 2 Timothy. So Philetus is another guy that Paul uses as an example who had to be disconnected because of the division. Verse 18, they have left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred. In this way, they have turned some people away from the faith. Now their influence and their wandering away, their shipwrecked faith has now caused other people to have a shipwrecked faith, caused other people to spiritually drift through the current of compromise and a lack of avoidance of certain things, it caused them as well. And so Paul is addressing Timothy again. Listen, you got to watch for this. Remind everyone about these things. Stop fighting over these words. Stop fighting. Start to stop these arguments and useless things. Listen, focus on the gospel, the power of the gospel to set people free. So, so shift your perspective, Timothy. Shift your focus. So we have the drift of destructive discussions that causes people to spiritually drift away. Number two, we have the drift of conviction and conscience. Conviction and conscience. Now, I know there's other things. I'm just addressing two. Two very uh, key things that I see throughout First and Second Timothy. And of course, I'm not referencing all the scriptures because there's so many, just for time's sake, but I'm taking the two, uh, I believe, prominent ones that really take us away from where we're called to be, okay? And especially, of course, if we have no anchor. The drift of conviction and conscience. Paul uh, has an overarching purpose for these both, these two letters. Um, it really focuses a lot on having a clear conscience, both for everyone, but also Timothy as a leader. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, the opening of the letter. It says the purpose, okay, so the whole purpose of my instruction. The whole purpose of this first letter is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, okay, and genuine faith. In other words, Paul is saying that love needs to flow from a clear conscience. Your love cannot flow if there's a violation. Now, let's just break down a little bit for you what conscience is. Is it's a moral, it's a person's moral sense of right and wrong viewed as acting as a guide to one's behavior. Okay, uh, dictionary definition could be described as an inner feeling or voice viewed as acting as a guide to the rightness or wrongness of one's behavior. Now, when we give our lives to Jesus, this is a secondary conversation or secondary teaching. When we give our lives to Jesus and we accept Him, okay, we accept what he did on the cross, his death and his resurrection, we accept him into our life and we begin to walk with him in relationship, okay? We begin to have the consciousness of God, okay? The consciousness of God is what allows us to continue to grow relationship with God. And we have the consciousness of God because now we've been made united as one. We have uh, a union with him that cannot be separated. Now we have a God consciousness before that we had a sin consciousness now we have a god consciousness you know that before adam and eve made the choice to eat off the tree they were not supposed to all they had was a god consciousness but as soon as they took their their eyes off of the god consciousness 
they now begin to have a sin consciousness. So this is why, you know, often people, you know, it's like, this is why if you're, if you're only, if you think that counseling for 25 years is going to fix your problems, you're wrong. Okay. Because you, if you look for sin, you're going to find it. If you look for dirt, you're going to find it. You need a healthy balance of God consciousness to help you overcome and see the counseling actually have an impact and transformation in your life. If you only have a sin consciousness, if you only have a dirt consciousness, then you will become the very thing that you're conscious most of. But if you have a God consciousness, you'll be able to overcome all the things that are trying to drag you down. And so you need this balance and this focus on a God consciousness because that will cause you to live the life that you're called to live. So the reason why I, I say that is because we let Jesus into our life. He actually renews our conscience and gives us the conviction now of righteousness, okay? And John talks about that, the conviction of righteousness, okay? Which is very different than the conviction of sin. We have a conviction of righteousness Sin falls by the wayside, okay? We begin to move forward and the sin that so easily, Hebrews says, entangles us no longer has strength because we have a God consciousness and a conviction of what righteousness actually is because righteousness is right standing and we have an understanding of right standing with that. We have right standing with God. Guess what? Right living will happen as a result. But if we only focus on the sin and dealing with the sin, we'll stay there for a very, very long time, okay? We need to have a God consciousness, which cleanses our conscience, clears it up so that we can move forward. But what happened in this case is there was a violation over and over again of that God consciousness, that renewed conscience, okay? There was a violation. And as a result, there was a searing that happened, which we see later on in 2 Timothy, that actually rendered the conscience um, insensitive. So no longer was there an ability to see their wrong and to see how they had drifted away. And that's a dangerous place to be. I love what Charles Finney says, just to kind of continue on this idea of conscience. Conscience is not a legislator that makes law, but a judge that convicts of guilt, passes sentence in respect of the past, and decrees and enforces moral obligation to obey law in regard to the future. Conscience, as a judge, smiles upon obedience and frowns upon disobedience. Now, Paul goes on to say in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 to 20, back to the beginning of the, the verse again. Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Listen to this, verse 19. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear, okay? Keep that in check. Keep it clear. Don't let the violation come in. Don't let those currents of compromise come in and sear your conscience. For some, people have deliberately violated their consciences, and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. When you deliberately, over and over again, violate your moral compass, eventually you will shipwreck your faith. And that could come through destructive discussions, getting into the wrong battles over and over again, being in the wrong battle, or being in the wrong war, can actually be the very thing that takes you out entirely of your faith journey. And I've watched this happen over and over again. And of course, like I read over and over again, he goes on to talk about Hymenaeus and Alexander, how they are examples of this. And it's funny because Hymenaeus, the word Hymenaeus actually means, or, 
or like the, the name Hymenaeus actually represents a pagan god, okay? Now we know that paganism mixed with some Jewish tradition and belief systems is what made up Gnosticism, okay? It was a fusion of belief, it was a mixture, okay? And the name Hymenaeus actually is uh, uh, the name of a pagan god. And so here we have the worship of a false god, this, this, this god of knowledge, okay? This god of, of hyper um, uh, wrong philosophy, this wrong way of thinking, this belief system that Jesus did not come in the flesh, this worship of a false god. Then we have the name uh, Alexander, which means protector of man. We can call that man-pleasing. When we mix these two together, the worship of, the, of, of, of a wrong God, we, we mix, we're not, we're not, God's not, not, Jesus is no longer first anymore. We're, we're thinking outside of that now. And we begin to please man. And I see this happening a lot. We, we, we want to please man. We don't want to rub people the wrong way, say the wrong thing. Eventually those things will creep in and cause us to spiritually drift away. And these are the two examples that Paul uses over and over again. They violated their conscience and they ended up being shipwrecked, okay? So, and we see it again, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God that I serve with a clear conscience. Paul over and over again addresses this idea of protect your conscience. Watch your conscience. Don't let it get seared, okay? Because these people have violated their conscience. Keep your conscience and conviction strong in your life and you won't drift away from the path that you're called to lead. 1 Timothy chapter 4. I know I'm backtracking again. Verse 1 to 2. I'm just giving you some of these verses. I'm jumping around a little bit. It says, Now the Spirit express, expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith. This is happening, you guys, everywhere. It's happening all around the world. Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. Having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. That means to brand or cauterize. To render insensitive or unsensitive. No, there's a callousness that happens over our consciousness. No longer now can God get in in the sense of he can't speak to us because we're so closed off to him. Nobody can speak to us. We've made our decision. We've made our decision and we've wandered away from the truth, but we don't even realize that that's how dangerous violating your conscience over and over again can become. If you think about yourself before you knew Jesus years ago, you didn't even know that you were disconnected. You didn't even know maybe where you were at and the destructiveness to your life until you came out of it. Hindsight is always 2020. If you look back now five years ago from your in your past, you're like, man, how did I even live that way? Because of what you've gained and because of how you've grown and because of how you matured now, you realize, man, I don't even know. I must have been so insensitive or so, uh, <clears throat> like had such a seared conscience that I, 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 I didn't even see it and nobody around me could get my attention. This is what happens when we're not anchored. Let's watch for the currents of compromise that are coming our way in this season so we do not drift away from the faith in Jesus that we have. Hope as an anchor in this season is to hold us steady against the spiritual drifts that may be pulling us towards uh, shipwreck because of the currents of compromise in life and what what is that hope hebrews 6 verse 18 i want to close with this hebrews 6 verse 18 so it is impossible for god to lie for we know that his promise and his vow will never change and now we have run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness this is where we find his strength and comfort for he empowers us to seize what has already been established ahead of time 
and unshakable hope. We have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding, there it is that word, anchor, anchor holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat who sits in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold and where Jesus, our forerunner, has gone in before us. He is now and forever our royal priest like Melchizedek. He has no beginning and he has no end. The writer here is talking about the hope that needs to become the anchor to our soul is the person of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. This is the very, he is the very one that will keep us in the spot we need to stay during a season of crazy waves coming at us and crazy currents coming at us. He is the anchor that keeps our boat in the right space and in the right spot. My prayer for you today is that if you know somebody who's drifted away, that maybe this would encourage you to see them different and to continue to pray for them, that they would come back and see how they've drifted. But maybe you feel like you're slowly drifting. Maybe you feel like you've violated your conscience. I know at times we all have, but it's not too late. God still has a plan for our lives. God still has a plan to take us from where we are today and continue us, continue to move us forward into where he's called us to go and where he's called us to be in Jesus' name. My prayer for you is that we'd be so aware of these currents around our lives that we would not spiritually drift in this season, that we would not be shipwrecked, but we'd be shipped ahead into the greater part of our purpose in this season like never before in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you that I thank you for your life and I thank you for your love and I thank you for all those that we know that have maybe drifted away, maybe kids, friends, family, leaders that we know that have drifted away in our lives, people that we've run with or looked up to in the past that have just shifted out of where they used to be because of decisions they've made. God, we pray for them right now. We pray that they would come back to your spot again, to your space again, that they would see like you see, that God, you would take that callous conscience and turn it soft again in Jesus' name. That God, you would redeem what was lost. You'd renew, you'd restore, you'd revive in Jesus' name. I pray for all those watching right now that feel a little bit dull and feel like, again, like their fire's gone out and maybe they've violated their conscience and done things that they don't want to do and knew that they did them and shouldn't have done them, but they just feel trapped. God, I pray that you bring victory in Jesus' name, that you bring victory to them, that you bring victory, because maybe there's a fear right now that they're never going to overcome. They're never going to make it. And just like Paul said to Timothy, fan into flame the gifts of God, the strengths that are in you when you do, you'll have an ability to overcome fear in Jesus' name. God, thank you for what you're going to do in this season in those people's lives in Jesus' name. Just before we close, I just want to encourage you, if you're, you've listened to this message and you feel like, hey, that's me. Maybe you're in a spot you don't want to be. Maybe you're in a location you don't want to be in life. There's still hope for you. And I just believe Jesus's message of hope that was established over 2,000 years ago is as fresh today as it ever was. For you during this season of life, all you have to do is say yes, receive what he has already done, receive his forgiveness. You can't make God forgive you. He's already forgiven you. This is why it's good news. It's good news because over 2,000 years ago, he died on a cross, a sinless death, taking on your sin to set you free. He resurrected to raise you to, to new life, to give you a new hope, to give you a new anchor to your soul. 
All you have to do today is say yes and lean into that truth, that reality, change your perspective and say, God, I was once serving my own way, serving my own purpose, but in this season, I want to walk with you. I want a relationship with you. I want friendship with you. And so I receive today your forgiveness. I confess the sin, the stuff that's been entangling me, holding me down. It's yours. I don't want it. It's yours. Take it. Take it. Take the burden off my shoulders. I've been trying to do it myself. It's not been working. But today I receive the greatest gift, the gift of eternal life. I receive your life. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. Empower me with the Holy Spirit. Give me what I need to walk the walk you've called me to walk in Jesus' name. I believe that you're God and I believe that you are raised from the dead. If you said that and you leaned into that and you connected with that prayer, that's just the starting point. You're not saved by a prayer, but it's an entry point. It's like opening the door to a whole new world. And if you've opened that door today, I want to encourage you to reach out to us, prayer at kingdomculture.ca. We'd love to be a part of that journey with you, pray for you, support you. Just let us know how we can help you moving forward. Continue to build that relationship that today you made and established with Jesus, the best person on the planet. Thank you so much for tuning in. We love you and we'll see you next week. Wow, what an incredible message by Pastor Sean. Guys, if you made a decision for the very first time, if you're watching, you got touched, you said yes to Jesus, Come let on, us know. We want to get in touch with you. We're going to get yeah. you connected to the house. So let us know by emailing prayer at kingdomculture.ca. We really want to hear from you. Yes. And like Judah said earlier in the announcements, he said that if you want to go deeper, yes. connect groups is the best way to do that Absolutely. because we want to get more out of it. And so if you're like, man, this was so good. I wish there were more. There is more. It's called yes. Connect Groups. So again, check the link in the description below and we would love for you to join one of our incredible teams throughout the week. Love you guys.